So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Welcome, everybody, to this Tuesday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields, and I have here with me Jane Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jane? I'm absolutely fantastic, Rick. Absolutely fantastic. It's been a fascinating day for me. That's outstanding. I love it when we start that way. Yes, yes. The weather's gorgeous. It's almost the end of March. It's 20-something degrees, and I met the coolest child today. Oh, you did? I did. I did. It's such you an know, interesting story. I think kids story. are cool. Yeah, well, you, you would fall in love with this little guy um, running around the complex of the neighbor's apartment building because we were sitting out on his patio enjoying the sunshine and just talking because that's fun. Um, so it was... Um, it was... Uh, Wow. A cap gun and um he's you know, shooting stuff and turns out he's he's an English speaking little genius, which is absolutely fascinating as well, seeing as I'm in Quebec and most children here speak French. French. Well, yeah. you know, I'm gonna say most children here speak A lot. both but are not fluent at that young an age. And so here's this child and he's absolutely fluent in English, so we get to talking. And um I'm asking him why, but you know, with why he's so fascinated with guns, because he's right fascinated with guns. And he says, it's to protect you and to protect them. And I'm like, well, that's really, you know, we're protecting, eh? And he looked at me and I said, what if, what if, what if we get to the point where we have peace and you don't need to protect us anymore? He goes, well, well then I guess I can die because I'll be done. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, that was a little crazy in and of itself but then this kid looks at me and I'm wearing sunglasses and he looks at me and he's like do I know you and I'm like I take off my sunglasses and I look him in the eye and I'm like yeah yeah you do just just not here you don't know me here and he said no I said but we've met before and he said yes I said a couple lifetimes ago huh he said yes I said so uh how old are you he said a couple thousand lifetimes but my mom doesn't believe me, and my teacher don't believe me either. So it's the and we're you know we're talking, we're having a great conversation. Turns out he's six years old. Yeah, blew my mind. Six year old yeah. looking at what, me. So did you did, after he explained that nobody believes him? Did you at least tell him that you believe him? 
I told him I believed him, and then Pascal happened to be sitting there, so I said, he believes you too. You know, I said, of course, and Pascal's like, I've lost track of how many times I've been here. <laughs> Kid, carry on, whatever you're doing, you're fine. Um, yeah, of course I told him. I said, you know, and and I said it doesn't really it doesn't really matter if your mom believes you or if your teachers believe you or if, even if your friends believe you or even if I believe you. I said what what matters is what your heart tells you. I said that's what's important. And I touched his heart and I said this is here is what's important. You listen to that, and that'll take you places. And then we got to talking a bit more about the guns and the protecting. And he said, well, you know, I'm six, so nobody believes me. What what am I going to do? And I said, for right now, you're six, dude. You be a kid. You're not supposed to do anything but be a kid. Go be a kid. When you grow up, you have plenty of time to save the world. Don't worry about it. And it, But it was absolutely fascinating conversation with a kid that turns out to be six years old. And it was really just like talking to you. Yeah. Um, but here's a six-year-old looking at me in the eye going, yeah, I'm a couple thousand lifetimes. Yeah. Old. Yeah. And I'm good at that. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. I'm you like, kid, you just made my day, you know? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was really, it was really cool. Just a fascinating, fascinating child. What a wonderful way to spend the really first beautiful day of the, of the spring. You know, it strikes me. We We often talk about how we'll have a guest on that'll resolve some yucky situation that you or I have had the day before. <clears throat> and how we, you know, live through what we have on the show, right? Quite right. And I've always, or at least lately, been saying, yeah, but there's got to be a better way. Can we live through the fun part? <laughs> yeah. And, and it strikes it me that you've just lived through the fun part because... Of our guest tonight. Absolutely. We yeah, have a guest absolutely. that seems to like kids, too, and um, talks to them. And would not be surprised if some child of six came up and said, yeah, I'm a couple thousand years old, but nobody believes me. Um, I, I don't think that that would surprise her at all. We have, we have with us tonight, folks, Olivia Rosewood. How are you, Olivia? Hi, I'm happy to be here. Fantastic. That's awesome. Welcome, Olivia. Thank you. And apropos to your story, Jean, there's a wonderful video and I'm trying to find for you on YouTube. I posted it to my Facebook account. And it tells the story of a little boy who is around six years old. And he has terrible um, nightmares and kind of waking frights and begins to tell his parents details um, about this horrible World War II experience. And he can even describe the plane that he went down in um, to the very last detail, details that they just d- can't imagine that he picked up anywhere in his in his short life um, in that body. And so they start looking into the names and places that he recounts and find that um, there it all it all really happened. And they eventually, in this little YouTube video, they eventually connect him to uh, his mother and his past life. They take him to Japan where the plane that he describes went down. Um, The Japanese government allows them to go out into the ocean to the location where his plane went down and lay flowers on the sea. And he has this heart-opening, cathartic experience um, at just having that closure. And then he no longer has these nightmares. I mean, that was the real uh, problem that they were going to address. 
And it's so um, beautifully told. I'm going to try to find it so that I can share it with you and maybe you can share it with your friends because it really cements that it's really, I think it's really helpful for people who haven't experienced past lives themselves or who aren't sure what to make of someone who's able to talk about it. Um, But I think it might really be a support for him, you know? Well, I think um, what what I find fascinating about this little this little child is that he knew exactly who he could talk to. He's yeah. very tuned in, tapped in, and yeah. um, the intelligence is there in his eyes, and he's very aware of his surroundings. Mm-hmm. Um, even his answer about the guns, it, you know, was really so straightforward, so self assured, and so honest that it kind of took me aback because most adults I deal with that work in this business and in this, you know in this kind of area wouldn't even be able to come up with such a straightforward and honest answer. But it was really like he just, well, once peace comes, I'm done because I'm a warrior. I'm good. I'll just, I, I can die. I can go home. I'm good. <laughs> I mean, that was his, that was his answer. And he wasn't upset about that. that didn't, that didn't bother him. Yeah. Um. I, I was just, the whole encounter was just, I mean, it, I love kids. I love the fact that they're so connected and I get really excited when I meet one who is connected enough to know where the safety nets are. You know what I mean? So I had told, cause I've never met this kid before. Um, mm-hmm. It was my first time to that area of the town and hanging out with those people. So I told my friend and the kid, I said, you know, if, the kid's looking at me like, you got to go. I said, go pick up my daughter. And I'm like, yeah, buddy, but you know what? I said, my friend Patrick there, he has he has my cell phone. I said, you need me or you want to talk to me? You want to see me? He'll text me. I'll come right over. I'm just across the street. I'm not going far away. Um, but just a fascinating child. Fascinating yeah. child. And I'm so not worried about this kid. I'd love to show him the video, though. Cause yeah, it's, I mean, it's fun to see for... And yeah. <laughs> I think I think he would be just kind of like, oh. you know, it's not just the crazy lady and her de- demonic husband who are telling me it's okay. Um, there's there's more than just one. Yeah, yeah, and maybe he wouldn't feel so. I mean, I know for for some people, you know, not even with past lives, but if you're really sensitive or aware of more than the average Joe. It can be a very lonely experience, you know, and I, I think it can be helpful to um, just see, and so much is, is coming out in the world now. I think that there's a lot of awareness opening up and being lifted, but it can be great just to, to see like, oh, yeah, I don't only have one friend in the world and her husband or her partner, you know. Yeah, no, it, it's true, and I I that and maybe I can get him to be able to see it on Patrick's computer. But like even even our friend Patrick said the kid doesn't for the most part he doesn't hang out with Uh oh. Uh oh. I can't I can't hear. Yeah, no, she's faded away. Did we lose her in there? Well this was an experiment. She was trying to do the show from her computer again tonight and that may not have been a good idea. So we'll just have to see about that. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, James Leninger uh, that you're yeah, talking you. about. Soul Survivor, as in S-O-U-L, Survivor. Wow, do you um, have a catalog in your brain, or did you find it? Um, 
Well, I I had seen it uh, I had seen it before, and so it was in my extensive favorites list over on YouTube. And oh. then then I just punched up his name, and uh, it seems there's a lot going on uh, with James now. People even arguing over I have the, this is the original James Leninger video. And, <laughs> oh really? You're gonna have argue over credit? Come on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, oh. that from like 18 months to two years old, he started in with these night terrors and you know my plane went down yeah and um uh then was 11 i think when they took him over there i don't know he's or is 11 now anyway uh i can't let the video stream over here because if i do it then everybody drops off the phone right <laughs> well now that you have you here not there oh hi there are you, you back hi Sorry. It's okay. I went away. My computer went. Eh. Yeah, it's all right. You're back. Rather, the internet went. Eh. But yeah, um, you had a couple of times when you were talking that it was like, and so I was afraid you were going. But now you sound good. Are you there, Jean? Uh oh. Did she go again? Unexpected journeys. So we've kind of taken the dive right in because I felt led that way. We did not. Uh, Jean and I banter quite as much as we usually do, uh, and she's not been able to ask her famous first question. Oh, so sure. while we're working out, uh, you know, connection details, um, I'll go ahead and pop her traditional first question, okay. uh, which is, so, Olivia, <laughs> who the hell are you and what do you do? <laughs> it's got this <laughs> and I think from your name, you might be Irish. Just a little bit. I'm Irish. Just a wee bit in there. There's a fine line between Canada and Ireland. Ah, yes. So apart. Yes. <laughs> um, so you ask me who I am and what do I do? Um, well, it's that's kind of a big question. I I do a lot, and um, it is purposely a big question. Yeah, wow. Oh. Nope. Um, <laughs> well, so right now uh, I'm working on a couple of books, um, which will be coming out in the spring. One of them is more of an instructional book, and it's called Please Meditate, It's Good for You. And in it I present a wide variety of meditation practices from lots of different cultures. And uh, also in the book is um, a large capacity to journal. And my hope is to help people find their perfect meditation practice, something that they really connect to and can make part of their lives. Because a lot of my friends um, are really searching for a meditation and are reading all of the, the scientific breakthroughs about meditation, how wonderful it can be for your health and your mind and and your life. But um, I feel like there isn't a lot out there uh, to help people connect to a form that works for them. So that's a, a big project right now. And then I also have a book coming out which is more autobiographical called Illuminate Adventures of a Modern Meditator, which uh, is about some of my fun experiences um, with meditation. 
So, and in a nutshell, that's what I'm working on now. What I have done in the past are many children's books. I have seven. Yeah. Available on Amazon.com. And um, I really love those, too. And I'm frequently doing uh, readings and and actually have another one in the works called The Book of Gold, which probably won't be out until the summer. Well, that's very cool. Yeah. So um, that would be now we're working on those, uh, you know, meditate. Mm-hmm. Uh, meditate. And... Um, uh, please, please meditate. I've seen several, uh, uh, yeah, a couple of video clips and some, uh, I guess they're mm-hmm. blog posts on. Uh, uh, yeah, technically. Huffington. Yeah, I'm a Huffington. Um, I'm. I like to uh, offer meditation for free on the Huffington Post because it's a great tool, and um, these are somewhat challenging times. And I've gotten just a lot of gratitude uh, from readers who want to learn more about meditation or who want to learn to meditate but perhaps aren't able to go to a workshop or or something like that. So, um, yeah, so the, a lot of the Please Meditate posts on the Huffington Post are drawn from the book I'm working on. And then I'll continue to vlog. I'll continue to make um, YouTube videos so that Anyone who wants to can join me in various meditation practices online at any time. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I love technology in that way. And um, uh, so one might ask, or some might ask, uh, we're not big on qualifications around here, and we're not big on words too, so like meditate, sometimes we have people around here that that scares that word because they don't. Yeah. They know well. They don't know what it really is. They know what they've been told it is, and that sounds scary. Right. And, right. Um, okay. So it's great to have videos like yours that sort of help demystify it a little bit. That it's not, you know, <clears throat> you don't have to have you know Indian live music players and things to be able to meditate. <laughs> and kind of cold. Yeah, you don't have to throw away all your belongings and. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact, run away to India, but then again, you could run away to India, not run away, but, but with YouTube, run to. You don't have to. And uh, uh, because that's back there in the history too, isn't it? India, my yeah. Oh, I've been to India a couple of times. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, in fact, I became a nun very briefly in India, and um, my gosh, that was a real experience. But a yogic nun, so um, to become. A, a yogic nun, it's it's neither Catholic nor Hindu. Uh, the yogis are merely truth seekers. So uh, when you become a yogic nun or, or a sannyasi, um, during that time you basically renounce the world. And by saying you renounce the world, it just means that you renounce seeking fulfillment in the world. So, um, yeah, so that was an experience. Um, well, I'm sure it must be. One of the things that uh, people would note in the Olivia story arc, uh, and I know that there has to be more to it, than the, but to hit the highlights <laughs> would sort of be uh, actress. Yeah. Um, seeker with yeah. friends like Eckhart Tolle and or teachers like Eckhart Tolle and then uh, Yogic Nun and then children's book author and... 
now maybe a couple of books for children and adults. Yeah. They're all for children and adults, but, you know, <laughs> this one more aimed aimed in a certain direction. Yeah. So that's got to be an incredible story arc. Um, it is, and I started out as a trapeze artist. Oh, see, I told you there was had to be more to the story. If I'd have known that, we'd have had you on the show sooner. No. <laughs> well, there's actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I think that that's what started my speaking. I was a like most like many children. I, I went to ballet class, but I always wanted to fly. I always thought, God, it would be great if when I jumped off of the floor, I just kept going. <laughs> And then I went with a friend of mine to the YMCA in Denver, Colorado, when I was young teens. And um, her brother did the flying trapeze. And there's a great trapeze program there. There used to be all the circuses would pass through Denver, the hub town, in the olden days when they were in uh, wagons. And so they had a lot of big rigs there for the trapeze artists to train on when they passed through. So. I started the flying trapeze, and it was so terrifying to climb this ladder to very high heights and then jump off of a perch and fly through the air. But then something magical happens at either end of the flight, you know, you make a little arc, you do become weightless. Truly, you feel weightless. And it's in those weightless moments that you can do all sorts of amazing tricks with your body because you're not having to deal with gravity. And that was my first taste of meditation and of really profound peace mm. was the flying trapeze. That it, that's when I became aware that there was something... The, the tremendously huge world that's in the tiny moment of weightlessness that you get there. Yeah. It's yeah. A, uh, some of that interesting power of paradox that I yeah. enjoy in... in uh, I always tell people when they come up against the paradox, that's get excited because that's where the goodies are. You're okay. almost you're almost to the gold nugget. It's right on the other side of the paradox. Okay. And yeah. Um uh because I've had those uh those moments in other pursuits and it's just so um and that preceded really the acting. Uh it did. Yeah, yeah, the acting came later. I uh, Both of my parents were actors in musical theater, so um, I grew up in that world. And then um, I went to the Interlochen Arts Academy for high school, which is a conservatory-style uh, school for the arts. And, um, and then from there I went to USC for acting as well. And, uh, you know, it was what was familiar to me and... Um, easy for me to do, and I also had uh, the 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 delusion that uh, which I I don't think I'm alone in this. I really believed that movie stars were enlightened. I really had this idea in my head that they were free from the normal um, heaviness of living. And uh, I thought, oh, if I could, if I could become part of that world, I could be free from suffering. Um, and this is also before I, I got into more direct um, spiritual teachings. But as it turns out, I did get into that world, and I did meet a lot of movie stars, and I, I did come to learn 
that wow, they're just like everybody else. They're just like everybody else. Oh my goodness. But they're more normal than normal. <laughs> um but that was a great thing to experience because it kind of popped that bubble for me of thinking that there was fulfillment to be found in celebrity or in that kind of um, fame or status or, or perceived wealth. Because really a lot of them don't make that much money or they don't keep as much money as um, the media would have us believe. Yeah, there are a few super superstars that have millions of dollars, but... Most of the stars that people would think of are not really drowning in money. No, they're not. And a lot of them might might make a lot of money for a couple of years, but uh, not not even often not even enough to last them their their entire lives. Right. Um, especially now in my adulthood, it seems like the, there's much uh, a much faster turnover of movie stars. Than when I was a child, it feels like when I was a child they lasted a bit longer, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, it goes it goes quickly. Yeah, I think sometimes celebrities did when I was younger. It seemed like they lasted longer. But then again, uh, you know, a lot of times, and of course I'm a child of the. I was born in the early '60s, so late '60s, early '70s was really when. They were transitioning away from, you know, prior to that, you know, 50s, 40s, movie stars were just, they had a contract with the studio, and it, but it was, it was more like a job. They didn't get percentages and big things and millions of dollars, and yeah. um, um, they worked there and yeah. made movies, you know, yeah. and um, uh, so this, this incredible celebrity and wealth is kind of new. Yeah, it is, and it's but I, I it's still somewhat uh, a publicity machine. You know, I think that like the even the the stars of of the forties, fifties, and sixties, um, even they were were publicized to look really glamorous, and uh, you know, oh yeah, above above all worldly considerations, I think that that publicity trend has never really ended. There still seems to be that, you know, lifestyles of the the rich and famous and cribs and, you know, there's still that need to see them that way. Yeah, almost the the fantasy to try to guide everybody else. Oh, this is what it's like to, well, kind of like it did for you. These people are free from earthly concerns, and I want to be, so I'll go over there. Yeah, or at least I'll buy a ticket to their movie. You know, it's, just, it's like a sales... A sales yeah, it's just, I'll get as close to them as I can, and if that's okay. as close as I can get, I'll go to their movie five times. Right? Know, or, yeah, I think so. I, in fact, I when I was 18, I came to visit Los Angeles with a friend of mine whose parents had a, a home in the Malibu Colony, which is a very exclusive... Um, residential area in Malibu and they happened to be next door to Tom Hanks and um, we went out to the beach and Tom Hanks was surfing and I was 18 and my heart was racing and this wasn't long after Forrest Gump had come out and I thought if I and I don't know why I even had this thought but I thought if I touched him I my life would be totally different and then sure enough a big wave brought him to my feet and he crashed into me and he said oh I'm sorry and and then he kind of went on his way and 
And I had this moment of like, uh, nothing's different. I'm still exactly the same. <laughs> that was a total delusion. Why did I ever think that? Um, it was a very profound moment for me. But what good luck to have come head on with that delusion and realize, oh, you know. And, and sort of be able to dispose of that because here it really is and it's just this guy that bumped into me. Yeah, absolutely. And and he really is just a, another another person. He happens to be very good at what he does, but and and successful, but still just a, another human being on the planet, definitely. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it to me it's the it's almost funny because we talk about that the world of reality, the world of this 3D world is really kind of it's just illusion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's vibration that we're interpreting a certain way or however you want to say that, you know, even in physics, it's the perceiver that makes the reality. So it's just make-believe. And in Hollywood, that's kind of double because yeah. what the public, quote-unquote, the way they perceive all of these people and may think they know these people and like these people is is an image that has been generated in a marketing department, really. Yeah. It's not, it, 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 it sometimes has absolutely nothing to do with the person behind it. Yeah. Um, you know, many of Hollywood's bad guys that have always played the, always played the evil enemy person are some of the sweetest, nicest people you might care to meet, you it's know? It's so true. In fact, I think that the people who play the best bad guys or bad women are are the nicest sweetest people yeah and sometimes the heroes can be a bit you know asinine but <laughs> it's true <laughs> uh, you know it, it just um one of the of course you would I, I used to joke about that when i was a kid about hallmark card people that they'd go write those lovely cards all day and then they'd go home and kick their dog through the hedge uh-huh. because they just were way out of balance but yeah. um um it is because it, it, uh, we had um, uh, Ray Dawn on a week ago, and she was talking about the film world, and she got involved in a project sort of almost by accident, well, it that. seemed. And, and, and then somebody said, you're in the world now, you can't get out, and uh, welcome to the circus or something like that. And, um, but it really, they, they, they take these people and they Photoshop their pictures and they... they they make them something they're not. Yeah. And uh, and when you take the, that's the dream, that's the who to be fantasy too far. That's we get uh, these uh, you know really sad cases of eating disorders and other uh, image body image disorders and self image disorders on the part of girls and guys. It's true. It's true. I love that Jamie. I don't know if you've seen Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, she has some, I think she has some um, little videos and some photographs. She she really allows herself to be seen as she is, you know. Oh, and, I, uh, I I love that magazine piece she did where she told them, you know, yeah, I'm here, but you got to shoot me the way I look right now, right? And and then you can make me up and shoot me, and right. so made them show the two pictures side by side, and it's uh, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, I think it's really brave and generous on her part and um and quite unique, you know. I think it it shows uh a really well-developed sense of self 
for her to be able to do that. It's a, it's, you know, in, in defense of Hollywood um, people, it's very enticing to be made more beautiful than um, anyone could possibly be. You know, it's, it's a seductive uh, thing, but it, it takes a lot of courage to, to be honest and be frank and be yourself and be real. It does, and that, but that authenticity, uh, that standing on your truth, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's one we talk about often here at Everyday Connection, and uh, we've been blessed with guests that that do. They just this is me, mm-hmm. it's all you know, yeah. and but I think that that is a trend, and 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 thankfully so because I think it's important in uh, in you know that. I think being who you are, being more of who you are, is what we're sort of all about. Yeah. It's very healing, too, not only for the individual. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis, for example, I'm sure that that was very healing and therapeutic for her to be real with herself. But then there's another part of it, which is that anyone who who saw that magazine piece also got a little dose of that wow, look at her just owning herself and being confident in herself. I mean, there's a certain uh, contagious element in that that's so beautiful. Absolutely. And uh, it, it to me, it's almost more magical when you, you know, just see the guy that's in the house next door that ran into me just now or the the girl that, you know, that's the way she looks when she shows up for work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then still see the transformation that happens when they go on screen into a movie and become someone else. Yes. So completely and can lift you into such a fantasy world for a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. To me, that was always the magic of movies. So the stars didn't have to be perfect in everyday life because yeah. I didn't. It was what they did on the screen that was, uh, because I think that that is the spark of freedom that we see is when they sort of let go of themselves and really commit and become somebody else for uh, the duration of a movie. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love I love Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie. Um, for that reason, I think that there's something so magical about that film and his transformation and. It really deals a lot with reality and fantasy. Absolutely, and 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 he occupied that role so completely. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, yeah, I think it was one of the great performances. Yeah, I agree. Brilliant, brilliant film. And and then yeah, I I agree with what you're saying. That one of the hard things about um, Hollywood for me right now is reality television and uh, there seems to be the line between fantasy and reality is getting really blurry it is and uh, uh, but I think to some to some extent it's 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 allowing those that sort of bought into the fantasy to see that it's not reality mm, I, I hope yeah <clears throat> And um, uh, because 
reality TV. I've never seen much of anything that could be farther from that, you know. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I know when I was a teenager that I didn't live in a loft, you know, in <laughs> Tribeca or something crazy. Yeah. I, you know, I did have an apartment for a little while, but it was a tiny little thing. <laughs> then I was back with mom and dad, and then you know. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of reality TV is scripted too. You know. Oh, it is. Yeah. And yeah. So there it goes again with that whole. Is it is it live or is it Memorex thing? <laughs> is it reality or fantasy? Yeah. Reality boxed up as a fantasy, or a fantasy boxed up as reality, or oh wow. Well. See, we get lost over there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, why don't we take our first uh, musical break, and I will see if I can locate our friend Jean, yeah, who fell off the cliff. I do, too. Mm-hmm, and uh, I know that uh, the gang does. They're like, where's where is she? <laughs> and, um, okay, let's see. see. Uh, oh, they have lost Internet in the whole house, so oh. it's going to be usant. Okay. And uh, you never know. We might get a guest appearance from someone here. Okay. But uh, anyway, we're going to have a listen at, uh, well, let's play this one from Ina V. Uh, It's called Big Enough. And we'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay with us, folks. No bus, no book, no Okay, I don't know if that sounded as horrible to everybody as it did to me, but let's see if our recorder is going to hang with us over there. We'll try Jordan. We know that all those recordings are right. Uh, so we'll try uh, It Ain't Too Hard because it's seeming a little hard tonight, but we'll try. <laughs> Stay with us, folks. I'm 
Folks, that was our buddy Jordan. Still trying to see if we can find our dear Jean. Uh, let me uh, let me try her one more time. Okay. Everybody, excuse her if she curses when she answers, because she may not know that we're live on the air. Haha. <laughs> so trying to get her during the break, but. Available. See there, she's not available. It says right there on the recorder. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll try her again here in a minute if I get another text from her because I did get a text that the internet's gone out in their whole building. So okay. uh, certainly not going to be skyping back in. No. So tell me a little bit more about these uh, books that you've written for uh, kids with titles like Gratitude Soup. And, uh, I mean, that just sounds so awesome, Gratitude Soup. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Um, delicious, in fact. Um, so I created these um, books with, with my children, um, for my children, because I felt like there were some very basic um, life lessons that, I wanted to uh, share with them 
And um, we all love books So here in my house So um, we got to work making some books And we do We usually do one a year Sometimes more um, It's really fun for us And we've had a great time sharing them With, with the world as well um, Gratitude Soup is probably our most popular book Because <clears throat> Excuse me um, It shares with kids um, gratitude, but in a very experiential way, because it's it's kind of a if you think about it, it's kind of a lofty concept, gratitude, and it's hard. It can be challenging to communicate that with adults, and then with kids, they're kind of like, what? What do you mean, gratitude? You know, what is that? Um, so in gratitude soup, um, the the main character. Um, thinks of all the things that she's grateful for in her life and then she puts them into a soup and then puts the soup in her heart and she warms the soup with love and that keeps her really nourished. Um, And also in the book are little soup pans that you can cut out and carry with you if you want to to remember what you're grateful for in life. So... Yeah, it is kind of an interesting concept, and that's uh, uh, because it's it, it, it's a intangible. It so, is tangible, yeah. Yeah, making it experiential like that—that's very cool. Yeah, and it's 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 been heavily studied by uh, the University of California at Davis by a gentleman named Dr. Robert Emmons, and he has a, a lot of science behind. Um, Gratitude and what it can do for your life, especially what it can do for children. Um, it's a very powerful tool, and I've definitely seen it um, brighten up people's faces when they start a gratitude practice. It's powerful. Oh, absolutely it is. Um, it's central. Yeah. And uh, But finding a Finding a way to sort of demonstrate that, you know, uh, with kids to, you know, where their vocabulary is maybe not quite so large, but their understanding is often quite large. Like yeah. Jane's experience with this young man about, you know, oh, yeah, thousands of lifetimes. <laughs> but nobody believes me. <laughs> yeah. And that's, it, 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 kids learn quickly, too. You know, he he learns you know, Jane's friend learned that he he couldn't really talk about it. You know, kids pick up on those things very quickly, and and yet somehow he knew that he could open up to her, which is amazing. You know. Now they often do. We we talk about that sometimes too. Uh, the quote unquote light workers, whatever that means, but walk into a grocery store or a restaurant and little little kids like infants in high chairs turn around and just look like Oh hi. Hey, come over here. Tell yeah. these people <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I know. I that reminds me of when I went to India with Eckhart Tolle. We would walk down the street in various cities in India. He was on his book tour in India and the the people in India, you know, his book had just come out six months before. He, it's, he wasn't as famous as he is now. Just people on the street would just look at him and smile 
um, you know, you see in India these meditating sadhus, you know, just sitting on the the sidewalk doing their meditation or chanting or something, and they would see him and kind of point to him like they could they could really see something uh, that's invisible to most people. Right. Uh, and uh, I'm popping up links to your books and things in the chat room. Um, people are, I'm Anne. <laughs> Wish I'd had her books for my kids when they were younger. <clears throat> and, and, of course, my Uncle Bill is uh, laughing at me with the, quote, light worker thing. But <laughs> I just don't know what that really is supposed to mean. But I don't think anybody that uses it often knows what it's supposed to mean either, so that's okay. Um, it's hard to put words to, to things that go beyond words, isn't it? It's a difficult one. It is. It's a it, it's a challenge. That's the uh, uh, the translator in me wanting to come to the surface. Uh, and uh, because that's really I, I what I always saw what I did when I was channeling was I was just translating. I wasn't. It's not like something special. It's just. I can translate from that just like somebody else can translate from Spanish, and I can't. It's what, right. um, and uh, but even then, it's very flowery and inaccurate. Lots of uh, stories, parables. Yeah. It's the only way to get some idea across is try to tell them a story, makes them feel that way. Yeah. And uh, so that's why one reason that. Uh, Gene being an author for one, but one reason that I've always been fond of the storytellers of the world because that's um, there's something to storytelling. Uh, you know, I've even heard channeled materials talk about that there's a structure to the way stories are told, and that but there's something about storytelling that just resonates with the core of people. I think mm. uh, gets around their everyday filters, everyday conversational filters, or something. Um, and gets them swept up in the story, and and which then does that they feel the feelings. Mm-hmm. And so, really, it's not such an amazing maybe story arc. Not that it isn't amazing. Don't don't. I'm not trying to make anything boring, but you felt it on the trapeze, and then. You did all these other things that you're still doing to try to help others feel it. Yes, that's true. That's true, and that's a that's a very um, there's kind of a, a I think a spontaneous um, want to to help others. It, it it's um, when I was younger, uh, I, I used to. Said I want to be a nurse because I want to help people. That was something I would say when I was a very little girl. But that came from a desire to really kind of fuel my ego of being the helper. And that's a that can be a trap. But then sometimes the desire to help flows rather naturally. Right. And um, and that's when it's coming from a a, a better place, a more pure place. Um, I always used to get confused because Eckhart Tolle, who's one of he's he's my um, biggest influence as a spiritual teacher, and he would talk about that about you know be careful of the way 
um, the ego can get back into your life and uh, in kind of subtle ways, and and it can be as as playing the role of a savior. And the trap with that with that is that then you what you're really looking for is some kind of gratification or uh, an ego boost, like oh look, I saved this. Um, I saved this tall building from falling on on the city, you know. <laughs> that kind of thing can be uh, also of the ego and, and can lead to disappointments and can lead to other kinds of sufferings. But when it flows spontaneously, there's not really a downside to it because it's just something, for me now, sharing meditation and sharing children's books, it's really fun for me. It's really something that I just love doing and want to do regardless of the outcome. You know, it's uh, the process itself is really satisfying for me. And of course, I hope for the best for everyone. Um, but that is, is for the most part out of my hands. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's like Jane talks about her third book, uh, Crashing Back to Earth. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a healing book, but she reminds three or four times, to, you know, not just at the beginning and end, but even in the middle of the book, that look, this is my this is what I got to do to heal. This is my healing journey, and you know, I hope it helps people. But yeah, if it doesn't help people, sorry. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I mean, what more can you do? Uh, because everyone is is here on a journey. Um, to have the experience themselves, you know. Absolutely, and like you know, like I was saying earlier about you know, well, we're not sure if we can, you know, be of any assistance to you at all, and we know we can't answer any of your questions really because those you've got those answers for yourself. But we can tell you our story, and maybe that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, it, and it, it it is actually wonderful, um, you know, to. To be in holy company, which is, is to me, that means to be with people who um, are wanting to be or who are kind of finding their way out of suffering, transcending suffering in some way. Right. And it it, it can be so tough when all you really hear from anyone is you know, the answers are inside and keep walking. And that that is the answer. I, I know that's the answer, but it's it's less than satisfying, and uh, it's not that misery loves company. But I think hearing that again, it's that authenticity thing. Hearing from those people whose books you've read or you've uh, seen on Facebook, and now you get to listen to them in an interview, or or now you find out they have their own radio show. Mm-hmm. Um, to be willing enough to to stand there in their not knowingness and 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 invite you along, you know. Look, I don't know anything anymore, and I'd like to invite you to know nothing too. It <laughs> it again is less than satisfying, maybe answer at some points, but it's the answer, you know. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And it's actually, the, I mean, that um, in and of itself is mysticism. Mysticism, if you look at the word, it's from the word mystery. And uh, in every 
culture, in every religion throughout time, they have always identified spiritual people um, who seem really connected to the everything that is. They've identified them as mystics, um, not because they have answers, but because they're embracing and being with the mystery. Absolutely. Well, that was interesting. We had again for a minute, and then, all right. Well, come Huh. Okay. Well, I think we've got that one crossed to folks. Uh, sorry, folks, I was looking at the switchboard and this and that, and Little Molly, apparently, my my dog is trying to fill in for change. She keeps coming in here and making noise, and she never does that during shows. I tell her beforehand we're doing a radio show, and she goes and gets in her bed. Um, and uh, she knows what that is. I mean, we'll be out walking out saying, now we've got to do a radio show, and she kind of looks at me, and then she wants to go farther. <clears throat> but, um, uh, oh, thanks, Leslie. It's just the... Where next thing? It's all supposed to be here. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like I said, you have seven books about being a butterfly for now and brave enough to bloom. I guess that one is perhaps along the lines of what we're talking about with authenticity, huh? Brave enough to bloom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it is. It's, um, it's based in science. And uh, I don't know if you know, but um, several million years ago, there weren't any flowers, and uh, everything was green. We had a, a very green, green planet, but no flowers, no blossoms. And Brave Enough to Bloom is about the first blossom who felt inside of herself that she had some color, that she had a little bit more, and so that book kind of goes through her doubts about, oh, well, you know, will, will I be made fun of? I'll be so different. And yet I have this feeling inside of me that there's, I've got pink and orange and more than just green. And uh, she does blossom, and she, but she has to work up her, her bravery. And then, in fact, we, we now know and experience that she inspired many thousands of other flowers and blossoms. And now we live in a, a, a really... Beautiful floral world. So, that, that is so cool. Yeah. No, I. I suppose I never really even thought about that. You know, once upon a once there was a first ever flower to bloom. Yeah, I, it's kind of amazing, isn't it? And uh, it's also a metaphor for the um, what's happening. What I feel is happening on our planet, which is that, you know, there used to be really just um, very few people who who would ever talk about something like reincarnation or higher levels of consciousness or rising above suffering or, or any of these very deeply spiritual principles that used to be such a rare thing. And now, you know, here we are talking about it on the radio, internet, and... Um, it seems to me that there are a lot, a lot of people blooming in that way, and blooming out of 
um, predominantly sad or, or angry lives and blooming into um, more colorful, fragrant experiences. Yeah, and it uh, I know for many of us still, it's a the first flower that ever bloomed anywhere ever on the whole planet because you don't know anybody that talks about those things very openly except maybe you saw somebody on the internet but you don't know anybody mm-hmm. and um, you know but then you stand out there on your truth and you go okay this is how I see it mm-hmm. and that, that then you you know I've got this incredible global family now you know yeah. and um, uh, but uh, so it it that was the thing that captured me was, you know, when I first flipped over to see, you know, okay, why am we, why are we having, what are we doing? What are we going to talk about? Cause we normally do this thing. Gene doesn't know anything about our guests and I try to know a little bit. And, um, was the, the titles of the themselves of these books bring, uh, bring those images to me, those, those metaphors to me. And they're just so fitting and, and uh, beautiful, did they? Uh, so they just grew out of you know loving your kids, or and talking with your kids, or did the experience in uh, um, um, because your experience in India was working with kids over there too, right? Yeah, it was, but in a in a different way. Um, my, well, yeah. Yeah, but definitely for for my children and, and also for all children. I, I feel like um, children are especially intelligent, and I think they're more sensitive and aware of the world than we often give them credit for. And I remember my childhood being very aware of the world around me and having pretty much the same feelings as I do as an adult. It's not that um, I don't think that children Oh, we're constant. Are you trying Jean again? Hello? 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 Hi. Awesome. Awesome. Hi. Welcome back. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Life can be a, such an adventure, can it? Well, I'm telling you. So did I miss a lot? I bet you I did. But the reflections will be awesome. The reflections will be awesome because you won't have heard two-thirds of the show. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I did my best to ask the question, even with a lilting Canadian accent, but it came out very Irish. <laughs> Who the hell are you and what do you do? Who the hell are you and what do you do? Yeah, that's what's like that. Oh, my goodness. So, I, but I did want to get you on the line with uh, Olivia, uh, and uh, let you have a go. So now you don't know what we've been talking about, I guess. No, I have uh, no idea. Yeah, well, we talked about books and things, and we're just talking about a couple of her kids' books that um, I want you as mom to be able to get in on. Uh, uh, you know, and, All people, right. and people that like roses. Um, we were just talking about brave enough to bloom, and uh, which is a book that she wrote about the first flower ever. You know, back when there weren't any flowers, the planet was green. And then there was this one flower that was like, but I know that inside I got pinks and 
reds, oranges. I got more. And, uh, you know, as of 125 million years ago, to the very first wow. plant that flowered, what would you, how would you, you're going to express your full beauty? And uh, I was, so I was just bringing up how, what amazing metaphors that she's had come to her. That uh, is absolutely stunning, actually. What a visual, eh? Of this little tiny plant just sitting there going, hmm, it's green, it's blue, it's brown, it's good. There's white up there when the clouds go by, and but um, it's green, it's blue, and it's brown, and, and there's got to be more. <laughs> How much courage would you have to have, really? I think a lot. I think it took a lot of bravery. I think so. I think so. And I love the metaphor. And it, Kids must just adore these books. Yeah, they're really popular and, and brave enough to bloom, in fact. I photographed... Um, some flowers that were in my my windowsill, but um, I was able to get close enough that um, you can really see. I, I had to photograph them every day to get the full effect of the the blossoming. And kids love to look through the book and watch the whole process of petals unfolding and opening and opening. And so yeah, they do. They really they really enjoy the books and. Um, I would say Brave Enough to Bloom, Gratitude Soup is really popular, um, Clea, the first bird ever, very similar to Brave Enough to Bloom, Clea is a lizard who's born with a birth defect, which are feathers, and she's really made fun of until she realizes that her her perceived ugliness is really her greatest gift, and she can fly, and she becomes the first bird. That's very cool. Yeah, and it's a true story. Very, very cool concept. It's based on a true story. Um, there really is a first, the first word ever was Cleopatrix, but mm-hmm. I, I kind of imposed the emotional uh, part myself about what she went through and her process of desiring to fly and then eventually flying. So. Wow. Yeah. It is awesome metaphors yeah. and, and, and ways to... Well, like gratitude soup that we talked about first, it's uh, Violet makes this soup of everything she's grateful for and then keeps it warm in her heart. Um, And what a way to bring something intangible like gratitude or bravery or uh, how do you be the first to step out on your truth uh, and, and, and bring those down to something that you can talk about with your child that sort of makes sense to them. Yeah, it's a very, very simplistic metaphor. Yeah, so that you can talk about it with kids. Yeah, yeah, but um, the visual of it's very beautiful. It's very, it would be very easy for a child to imagine. Yeah, you know what I mean, to put themselves in that situation and actually visualize that because every child kind of knows what a dinosaur looks like and what a bird looks like and what a, you know, what a flower looks like and you. Kind of even without pictures, you'd be able to visualize that. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. very, very, very cool concept. So, how many do you, do you have out now? Because I don't, I miss the whole, I miss the whole. Who the hell are you and what do you do? I know. <laughs> <laughs> we miss you. Too. <laughs> uh, seven on the kids books. Yeah, seven on the kids books, and then I have two. Um, I guess 
they're for grown-ups, but I guess they're they're really for anyone. Two, the two more lengthy, less less pictorial books coming out in the spring. Right. Please meditate. Yes, please meditate is good for you, which covers a, a wide variety a variety of meditation styles. Um, from a non-religious point of view, um, in my experience, I, I've really gone into a lot of meditation disciplines, and, and I just love all forms of meditation. Um, and it is possible to practice lots of different kinds of meditation without getting um, religious about it or worshipful about it. So um, the idea with this book is to present a lot of different styles along with journaling for the reader so they can experiment and find out what they connect with. Um, I I know a lot of people try meditation once and maybe they'll try something Tibetan or maybe they'll try something uh, yogic and they don't connect with it. And so then they just think, oh, meditation is not for me. But in fact, there's so many different ways to meditate. I feel like if you try a few different styles, you can find one that you click with, you know? Well, and that it doesn't have to have the the religious dogmatic overtones, yeah. formality of method and wow. Yeah, and we live in a time. I mean, something that I love about our culture is that we have, you know, in Los Angeles at least, we can go to a street corner and have Chinese food, Indian food, um, Ethiopian food, Italian food. We have so many different cultures available to us within our own culture, and the same is true of meditation here. We have just so much available to us, and, uh, you know, in India, they really just have a couple. So it's wonderful to take advantage of the variety that we have. Yeah. Yes, we are very blessed in that respect. It's true. And when you boil it down, it's, the meditation is all very similar. It's, it's all about finding peace, inner peace. It's just different different roads that you can take to get there. Now, I'm curious. When you talk about the meditations, do you talk about only the standard meditation practices or do you go into um, crazy off-the-wall ideas like walking in the bush meditations and artistic painting meditations and writing meditations? Well, my um, my personal approach is that meditation, and of course um, I can only speak for myself with this, meditation is the way that you find peace. And sometimes it's the peace itself. So if rock climbing brings you deep peace, I feel that's a meditation. If, um, you know, when the flying trapeze brought me deep peace, that was definitely a meditation. And, you know, all of these ancient meditative practices are available to us because they probably worked for somebody. Right. But we also have to keep in mind that a human being invented them because, you know, they worked for them. So uh, to me that means, you know, if something works for you, that's your meditation. Exactly. And, and if you feel compelled to share it with someone, then then that's a, a meditation practice, you know. So I'm very open-minded about that. And I also don't believe that there's just one right way to meditate. I think it's about finding what works for you, 
you know, invented by humans, modified by humans. Um, so that's that's my point of view. Actually, exactly what I was hoping to hear. Because it's really um, it's really encouraging to hear somebody who's writing a book on meditation to be so open to this idea that meditation is is really just about connecting and about mm-hmm. finding your your sense of inner peace. So it really doesn't matter how you do that. There's no standard expected way in which to connect. And yeah. that's you know that's it's so important these days, considering how diverse our cultures are and what a vast array of complexity we have on the planet, it's really important to encourage people to accept themselves as they are and not try to fit into, you know, the expected rules, regulations, expectations of other people. Yes. Yay! I'm looking forward to it. And I like you. You you handled that really well, Jane. When trapeze just flew right by, and you just let that go. <laughs> well, no, I think trapeze is a form of meditation. Because Leslie's like, did she say flying trapeze? <laughs> because Leslie didn't quite catch the beginning of the show either. And uh, I mentioned that it must be an interesting story arc to go from actress to uh, student to yogic nun to children's book author to meditation author and she said well there was flying trapeze artists before that <laughs> i was like okay never mind <laughs> so much for research <laughs> you know that's that's the part that i was hoping to catch was the backstory but i you know i can re i can re-listen to it and write about it from a fresh perspective which is kind of cool as well but i am fascinated by the journey i mean the journey must have been just nuts i, mean, I thought i have done some crazy shit, but girl, you, <laughs> Ooh, I haven't done India yet. Um, it's on my list, but I haven't been there yet. So it's, you know, yeah, you've, you've really covered, covered quite the wide array of practices and experiences. And that in and of itself is really encouraging to our listeners so that they know that they don't have to stay in one, one practice, one area, one you know, little space in the world, and that's not the end of their experience, not the end of their knowledge. Yeah. If they learn something, and they can go on to another thing and learn that too, and that's okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm an adventurous soul, and uh, that's, you know, my life to me feels sometimes quite normal and boring, and it's only when I talk to someone that they go, wait a minute, you did what? And then you did what? But to me, it just feels like the everyday, you know. Um, and and I do I do easily move from experience to experience. Um, but I feel like it's also okay to stay with what you love, you know. I think everyone has a different a different calling that feels natural to them. And certainly, my life has felt really natural to me. Um, and so, you know. They don't have to stay stuck, but they also don't have to to be who they're not. You know, everyone has a different a different calling. But I, I do feel that it's important to listen to that to that calling. Absolutely, and not be afraid to follow it. Yeah, and, and I think I think it's really cool to see so many people coming forward now uh, that 
have stories like yours to say, yeah, I did that. <laughs> I jumped in with two feet. That's right. Yeah. I didn't know I could fly until I, le- you know, I leapt off the cliff, and then ha, suddenly I sprouted wings. What's with that? Yeah. <laughs> well, and talking about flying and wings and yeah, and flying and, through and the air was the greatest talking about it being. It just feels like me in my everyday. I just get up. It's me. That that's uh, the butterfly book. Yes. Yeah, well, the butterfly book is also about identification with the body, because um, in, we we like to every spring we we like to adopt butterflies and help them um, in their process of metamorphosis. And um, what's really helpful about that is that uh, you know we are the same awareness. But we we end up wearing a lot of different faces uh, from the time that we're children to young adults and then into adulthood. Our face, our bodies change so much, you know, and yet we're the same on the inside. We still feel the same because it's the 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 butterfly book is uh, uh, talking about Beatrice being a butterfly for now is the t- mm-hmm. is the title and it. Uh, that as Beatrice's body changes from caterpillar to cocoon to butterfly, that she stills just Beatrice. Yeah, she's still just Beatrice. And, and you know, a woman's body changes a lot when she's pregnant. I mean, humans can go through a tremendous physical transformation in one lifetime. Um, but Beatrice, we wrote, I don't know if you've, I, I also wrote a book called um, um, about our dog, Dimitri. Dimitri in the moon. Mm-hmm. And Dimitri made his transition uh, right before I, I wrote Beatrice. And so Beatrice, the butterfly, is also kind of a metaphor for when when the spirit leaves the body, that it's just taking on a new shape, a new freedom. Um, because it was hard for us to say goodbye to Dimitri, but uh, it was also helpful to know that he had left his body, um, but his spirit was going on to another um, experience. So it was it was also helpful for my children to experience that with the butterflies, because when the caterpillar goes into the cocoon, it really certainly looks like the end for them. They're all wrapped up and very still, and. Um, and then, oh, yeah, if you didn't know about the end of the process, you'd be absolutely terrified that that's it. Yeah, and yeah. yet we have this beautiful metaphor that that we can watch. We can experience them completely, you know, they go into the, the metamorphosis and their caterpillar body literally turns into goo. You know, it literally, it really melts in there and then completely reforms into this beautiful butterfly. So that was really helpful for my little ones to see and experience, and it helped them to know that um, Dimitri, our our dog, his spirit, was okay, you know, even though he had left his body. So do you um, do you bounce all your books off of your kids, kind of thing? Like do you, <laughs> do you do you read them to them and say, hey, is this good or or do you finish them with complete confidence and then read them to them? Like, because I, I missed all the beginning. I'm sorry, so I don't know. Maybe you've answered this already. 
Oh, no. role your children play in this whole creation, creative process? Well, um, generally the stories just come together for me. I just kind of intuit what I what I want to share with them. But um, I have to give them credit for almost all of the artwork. They <laughs> they do a lot of that. Really? Yeah, they're really. Um, I think children have a, a wonderful ability to express themselves. I mean, they we we collaborate, but they they help a lot. Wow, mm-hmm. that's very cool. Yeah, children's books have actually been partially created Co- by children. Co-created with children. Yeah, that's so yeah. awesome. And they they are now sometimes making their own books, and um, it's something that they do at their school too because they've really gotten into books because they they like to. Uh, to share their books with friends and say, hey, look, you know, we created this whole story. That is totally yeah. cool. Yeah, it's a fun thing to do. It's very, it feels very natural. And, and kids are, humans maybe are quite good at that. And I think humans are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they really are tiny humans. Humans don't get enough credit. <laughs> They're really awesome. There's a lot of beauty in human beings. There Les- is. There Les- is. Leslie in the audience is, is curious how old your little ones are, if she may ask. Uh, sure. Right now they're um, four and seven. And, um, yeah. Four and seven, and they're only making their own books. It's okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, 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 look at those ripples in the pond. You know, but such a different attitude, you know, from even maybe 20 years ago. That um, we we speak in terms of children creating stuff all the time on the show, and it, you know, occasionally we show a little bit of surprise, but it's it's really becoming quite commonplace for tiny humans to just burst out of their little bubble and go, "Hey, I'm over here. Check out what I did." Uh, <laughs> and it's you know twenty years ago maybe not so much unless your kid was into you know in dance or in yeah. sports or something they wouldn't have that but now there's there's so many more avenues for them to pursue at an early age it's acceptable for little ones to be writers it's acceptable for them to be artists it's acceptable for them to be creators of music and movies and and photographers, it's awesome. I think it's really wonderful that we're seeing humans more, uh, I'm sorry, children more as human beings and less as accessories or as, uh, you know, cute objects. <laughs> you know, they're they're humans and they come in with their full range of emotions um, and a lot of abilities that are some sometimes more valuable than just straight intellect, you know. Very beautiful beings, and it's important, of course, to keep them safe and to let them be children and not push them into too much achieving or needing to achieve. But I also think it's it's okay to celebrate them and what they choose to do or what they're drawn to do. You know, to embrace them and. That's just it. I think it comes down to not expecting them to do anything, but when they create something and when they want to do something, um, just standing behind them and going, yeah, you're mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Because 
I mean, it doesn't really matter ultimately what they do with that thing that they've created, but it's the act of creation itself. Yeah. That's um, such a monumental growth process and expression of what it is to be a human being. So I think it's it's really amazing that we are in a time where children have so many different ways in which they can create. It's not just crayons and paper anymore. Yeah, yes. And there's so much technology available that opens up those channels for them as well. Yeah. You know, well they, and they seem to just be born cable ready and know how to do it. <laughs> you know. It, uh, and they went so far beyond just playing the games to mm-hmm. wanting to know how they work and to wanting to be able to make their own. You know what I mean? Like, um, the the games that really sell for the young children are not the just point-and-click games. It's draw this, make that, put this together with that. And they want to do. Yeah. They don't want to just watch. They want to be an active part of. And I think that's wonderful, too, because that means we've got an entire generation growing up that wants to be an active part of everything. They want to be creators and not... Con- they don't want to be consumers. They want to be creators. And that's so wonderful. It's so healthy to want to create and share. Yeah. So if I need that, I'm not going to buy it. I'm just going to make it. (laughs) Yeah. And that's fun, you know? It is. It's really fun. And I think it's, I, I feel that it's good for everyone, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I've been dropping your links into the chat room throughout the show. Uh, but for our uh, podcast listeners that might not be close to a screen, uh, where can they find and catch up with Olivia Rosewood? I suppose uh, that would be OliviaRosewood.com? Yeah, OliviaRosewood.com is okay. You can also find me on the Huffington Post if you just put my name in the search engine, or you can go to the Mindful Living section. Uh, also... All of my books are on Amazon.com and also at some um, spiritually inclined boutique bookstores. And um, that's about it. That's about it. So, uh, folks, that little tiny list. That little tiny list. Your best bet. You want to see the. You want to see all these beautiful children's books uh, that the inner child in me enjoys. So, <laughs> don't have to be a child to enjoy them are at www.oliviarosewood.com. And uh, for her more uh, general, uh, not just childhood pursuits, but her more general meditative pursuits, you can find her at www.huffingtonpost.com forward slash Olivia hyphen dash minus whatever, Rosewood. (laughs) We get in trouble with that hyphen dash minus thing. If people witness from lots of countries, and I think every country calls that something different. I'm so. yeah, also on Facebook, if that's easier, just uh, Olivia Rosewood on Facebook. Yeah. Simplified thing. Awesome. And, of course, we will, through our website, provide links to her work as well. Yeah, we'll have links <laughs> yes, to all of that on the archive. It'll be up in- about Just an hour. by everydayconnection.me. Yeah, everydayconnection. <laughs> it's all about me. We'll uh, hook you up <laughs> with Miss Rosewood. Well, I was going to try um, maybe to 
she has a Facebook fan page, but it's I can't say that out loud. I don't think. Oh it's got yeah. Got lots of numbers and things. <laughs> just so just go and look for Olivia Rosewood or come to well, EC's page. We'll have all the links. Good good days for me to not have access to my computer, huh? <laughs> Would be really. <laughs> I can't pronounce it. I don't want to. It's awesome. Well, I'm guessing, because I'm nowhere near a clock, I have no idea what time it is, but I'm guessing if you're talking about links, then we must be getting close to closing the show. Yeah, we technically have about three minutes left, but, uh, you know, right. we always we always program bonus time. Uh, but but when we're right at the end of the show like this, we do like to do that thing where we put our guests on the spot. That thing, yes. Okay, Olivia, if I didn't get to ask you who the hell you are and what you do, um if you had one message to give to people, what would it be? You've got five minutes. Go, right now. Please, meditate. It's good for you. <laughs> I only really needed those five seconds, so. That's awesome. Please <laughs> meditate. It's good for you. It really is. That's it. <laughs> it's not just the title of the book, folks. It's really, she would just like you to, please. It's good for you. Come on. Eat your veggies. Meditate. It's nourishing. Yeah. Comes in all different flavors. All different sizes. <laughs> kind of fun. You find the right one. Um, it's just yeah. perfect. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I guess that probably answers my, my question on, on whether or not you have a favorite book. Oh, whether I have a favorite book. Yeah, um, I was going to ask that, but... I have so many favorite books, and I love I love old books. I love the smell of old books. Um, I have to say, in all fairness, my favorite book right now would be my Kindle because it has so many books inside. <laughs> <laughs> and the damage I used to do to my back carrying around big bags full of books because I just I adore books. That's um, awesome really remedied by this little technologically amazing device. little plug there for Kindle. Yeah, yeah. But they are cool. You can just kind of throw your whole bookshelf into it, and it doesn't get any heavier, and off you go. Off you go. It's really cool for authors, too. Yes. Um, I I love the opportunity to be able to publish e-books. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome because you can... you don't have to kill trees, <laughs> which is really cool for me. Um, and they're, you know, they're there. They're instantly available. There's no waiting for printing or anything. It's just a download. That's it. That's all. And it's done. And it's awesome. Yeah, it is. We're moving into an era where, you know, there's such an amazing ability to share ideas and, and to communicate without damaging the planet. Um, it's such a great opening. It's a very cool room. Yeah, these these kids these days, they see themselves as citizens of the planet. It's an amazing thing. Speaking of kids, these days, in two days, Thursday, we have Jean. We have these kids? This is a... Are the girls coming back on Thursday? The girls are coming back on Thursday. All right. After after tomorrow, we have the girls back. For everybody that doesn't know, and how could Uh, anyone not know, the girls are uh, Gianna and Genevieve, our uh, 16-year-old twin light workers. 
Wow. Uh, that's their their own self taken title. We don't want to put titles on anybody. But um Oh. Uh oh. But uh that's my fire alarm. It's Oh, cool. Yeah. It works, though. Yeah, it's good. Um, I hope that uh, it's not getting warm. If it's getting warm, feel free to leave, you know, without an exit. Uh, but, um, no, these girls are amazing. They just up and started this Ascension series on the Internet, on, on YouTube. They just got on and said, okay, this is what's going on this week. And does anybody else hate these kind of people this week? And then the next week they'd be, yeah, okay, we overreacted a little bit last week. But, you yeah. know. And uh, so real, so authentic, so genuine, and uh, just very cool. So that's going to be a tons of fun. Y'all come join Absolutely. us on Thursday. Absolutely, that sounds great. Yeah, they're 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 amazing little creatures. They are. And then what do we have the week after? We've got some really cool stuff coming up. We do have cool cool stuff coming up. We have, of course, a week from tonight. Sierra, Queen of the Jungle, Goodman. Oh yeah, her birthday party, her, right? Yes, it, it's, the, it's the day after her birthday. So having an online birthday party for Sierra. Well, and, on our and radio show. But remember, it's the day after her birthday, so we may have yes. to be quiet when we do it. No, 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 no. no. Uh, we no, no, should be wine and and rum. Uh, well, yes, there certainly <laughs> is going to be the night before, so we'll we're going to have so much fun teasing her. I mean, uh, talking to her that night. Yeah. And um and then we have uh Christopher Zilov is coming on Thursday next week. Oh cool. And he's another crazy movie maker guy. Yeah. He he did an awesome film on uh ecosustainability, I believe. Yeah. So we're nice. just gonna have all kind of we have so much fun, we get to hang with such cool people. Yeah. It's a good job, eh? Yeah. Good I love my job. Me too. All right, guys. Well, well thanks for being be. with us, folks. Yeah, both uh, Join us on Thursday. And until then, stay connected. Good night. Join Rick and Jean again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me. And be sure to like their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everyday connection worried you might miss an episode don't worry subscribe find us on itunes by searching for everyday connection radio subscriptions are free just like your everyday connection So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. 
Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See Jared.com slash price match for details.